Hey guys, good morning. Welcome to Watchlist Wednesday number five, episode 218 of Blockhouse Podcast. I'm starting a little bit early this morning. Want to get a head start on the day and talk about these things a bit earlier. And we also got a very busy schedule and you can see I got the crazy hair. So, uh, you know, nut fucks given going into this, <laughs> but this is going to be a good episode. There's a lot of little things I want to cover that are important, uh, some breaking developments and some things that you probably have heard about in the past, but are starting to pick up um, ground in terms of being a bit more interesting as of lately and companies, I don't, I don't know, maybe seeing opportunity to work on them now, even though they haven't really over the last few years. Um, so there's a few things. So one, we're going to talk about the, um, Russia, <laughs> the people in Russia and the fact that they hold a quite considerable amount of crypto, uh, per capita and what that could mean for innovation within Russia, and then how can that play out and pan out versus other countries around the world, and if that has any good or bad you know, effects to it. Um, we talk about blockchain messaging and SMS, the ability to send a message over a blockchain network and to secure that message and provide an extra layer of encryption and privacy, the benefits of that and who's looking into it, these new China pilot zones that kind of fly in the face of everything that we know about what China believes, being anti-crypto, which I don't think they're as anti-crypto as you think. Again, like I've said for a long time, I think they just want to regulate it so they can make money and control it. We're going to talk about the digital rupee, which has been a work in progress for a very long time, but looks like it's finally going to come to fruition this year. We're going to talk about a very special piece of news today that we're going to be one of the first to cover because we're working on this. Um, there's a senator here in Columbia making a massive announcement today at noon on Facebook Live regarding how he's going to change his political campaign and how he's going to be the first senator in the world to use um, blockchain and NFTs to really help communicate better, improve upon communication technologies, media, verifying content, things like that. Um, we're just going to give a brief little coverage of that and then... You can see that live on Facebook, and we'll be sure to direct you to that so you can see it yourself later today. Um, and then the last thing we'll cover is Google Cloud, but not just Google Cloud, but any kind of cloud storage service. And the fact that there's a number of the storage service providers that are looking into blockchain as a solution and why some of them have and are deciding not to. So a lot of interesting things. So to start with wonderful old Russia, the Russians. Um, this is what's going on. Russia houses $200 billion worth of crypto. According to the Kremlin, that's about 5 trillion rubles worth of cryptocurrency as of December of this last year. Uh, the, the article talks about how Russian citizens reportedly own 16.5 trillion rubles. Um, and Bloomberg reported that Russians own about 12% of the total global crypto Holdings. The crypto holdings estimates were calculated by analyzing IP addresses of some of the most significant crypto exchange users in the country, along with a few other data points. Said two people working with the Kremlin. Um, do I trust the Kremlin 100%? That's a good question. But um, statistics are statistics. So if there's a study on this somewhere, I'm going to find it. It'll be very interesting to see if that's true. The recent crypto holdings estimate is a big jump from the data shared by Anatoly, the head of the lower house of parliament's financial markets committee in December, um, according to the TASS news service report, 
in December, Russians owns 5 million rubles worth of crypto. Um, some other things, Russia witnessed a back and forth between the central bank and finance ministry over the past month. First, the central bank proposed a blanket plan, a, a blanket plan, a blanket ban, a blanket ban on crypto mining and trading. However, the finance ministry countered the blanket ban proposal with a crypto regulatory framework, and the finance ministry found support in President Putin himself, who advocated for regulating the market. So, what's essentially going on is there's a back and forth within Russia with the banking system, with uh, the government, in terms of how to go about regulating and creating a framework um, that can lead to innovation or you know, not lead to any kind of innovation or adoption of crypto within the country. Um, crypto is very popular in Russia. Blockchain as a technology and innovation and for startups is very popular in Russia. And it'd be very beneficial for them if they did you know, encourage that kind of environment of innovation and growth around this industry. Um, now, the banking part of it has to be on board to really help make that possible. They have to be a lot of options for people financially to enter this market. So it'll be very interesting to see how those two forces collide. My guess is that you know Putin and Parliament will get exactly what they want. So look at Russia to possibly be you know, one of the go-to places in the world because they're still a big first world country, one of the biggest places for people to go if they want to innovate with blockchain and they want to start a business. There'll probably be a lot of perks and benefits come out of that. Um, in terms of trading and mining, that'll be a bit more of a controversial issue probably going forward. It's controversial just about everywhere at this point. The next thing I want to talk about is messaging and SMS within blockchain and what some of those benefits are. How can that be, um, you know, beneficial for you if you want to, let's say, send more private information, you want to send a document over a message, you want to have a conversation that's confidential, but you don't want to worry about whether or not that information is actually being protected or not. And there's been so many issues with this over the, this past decade of, you know, the government prying into people's private lives, prying into companies and using, let's say, um, largely using terrorism as an excuse to do so, looking for small indicators to go in, mm -hmm. looking for backdoors in these companies. There's, um, I remember back when I was in college, there was this shooting in San Bernardino in California, in Los Angeles, just outside Los Angeles. And the FBI wanted to go through the iPhone of one of the shooters to try and you know, get more information. And they wanted Apple to create a backdoor and Apple refused to do so. Um, there's a lot of instances like that. There's a stuff with Edward Snowden and Assange and um, especially in America, tons of privacy issues that kind of abate going back against your freedoms and your liberties. What blockchain does is they kind of help use this decentralized approach to give you that ability, that privacy, that confidentiality, um, that encryption level that, you know, you all deserve. It's not making as much progress as we thought it would, but it is very important and it's going to be a very important use case of blockchain at some point. So for perspective in 2019, Facebook was ordered to pay a mind boggling $5 billion fine by the U S federal trade commission for improperly acquiring private data of up to 87 million of its users. 
A year later, the social media giant had to shell out another $550 million to settle a privacy lawsuit that suggested the firm had illegally accrued customer data, including their biometric and personal details without their explicit consent. Um, this, you know, even goes beyond messaging. This goes into, you know, privacy data, um, how your data is stored when you go to these different websites, when you use these different platforms, how it's being sold without your knowledge, whether or not you have control of that. Can you edit it? Can you delete it? Do you even have knowledge of that being recorded? So there's this huge issue where there's a need for a solution and, you know, blockchain, you know, fits that niche very well. And there's a number of solutions cropping up, especially for messengers. For example, CEO of Multi NFT said that a metaverse-based social media network told Crypto Coin, or sorry, told Coin Telegraph that the need for decentralized messaging services is driven by two key accelerating factors: users looking for censorship-resistant applications and a lack of trust in centralized providers when it comes to privacy and data protection. So you know, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on. And I think it's going to be very important for people to keep in mind that in order to solve these issues, you have to apply some kind of technological layer that goes beyond these companies, that goes beyond their grasp and control, because they're the ones that are kind of in charge right now. And they have so much money and so much power that none of that's really going to change. It's going to come down to innovation around this issue. And again, blockchain really fits it. I see blockchain... Messaging being a massive, again, use case in the future that will, you know, remedy this issue quite quite readily, I'm, I believe. Moving on from that amazing use case that has been stalled out for years, the China pilot zones are next up on this list. And it's quite interesting because China has not really been one to support crypto for a very long time. They've actually been anti-crypto. They've made every effort to ban it, um, to defame it, to say that it's a scam or to say that it's bad for finance. And now China is coming out with at least 15 pilot zones, blockchain pilot zones, um, and identified several areas of application to carry out the innovative application of blockchain technology. The pilot zones include areas in China's major cities of Beijing and Shanghai, as well as uh, Guangzhou and Chengdu, I don't know how to pronounce those, in the southern areas, provinces, respectively, according to the statement on the Cyberspace Administration's official WeChat social media accounts. Um, in October of 2019, China President Xi Jinping said the country should accelerate the development of blockchain technology as the core for innovation. You know, if I've heard that before, too. It's not really... New to me, it's kind of old news, but here's the thing. China, even though they've been against crypto, largely why they have done that is because they want more centralized control over that ecosystem, over that emerging um, economy, the economics of it, um, the innovation of it, and they've always done that. They always want to have a piece of the action, and they, they want to make money off of it. I, I highly doubt blockchain would be hampered in any kind of way in China. Do anti-crypto laws and frameworks make it difficult for innovation? Yes. But when you look at the level of innovation in the world, a large amount of it has happened in places like Shenzhen, in, you know, across China and a lot of their cities. And they have been kind of bastions for innovation, bastions for technological creation and development. 
in many different industries, blockchain is going to be one of those as well, which they help push and um, evolve as well and kind of push the boundaries of where blockchain can go. And a lot of that will happen there regardless. There's a large capitalistic presence in China, more than you would think. It just operates differently. It works under a socialist uh, communist system, but it's still there. So there will be pushback and demand for it. It'll just happen in a different way than you see in Europe or the US or other, you know, other countries in Asia that have been pro crypto. So this is not something that overly surprises me, but it's very good news because it does show that China's not completely against it. They are looking for ways to be a part of the space and that will encourage more people and the light bulbs will start going off saying, oh, well, you know, China, one of the biggest economies in the world isn't cracking down on crypto that much. They just want a framework. They just want to regulate it. They just want to put all this stuff and on paper into regulation so that they have, you know, their fair share of control over how that's, you know, playing out. Plus, uh, a large amount of the Bitcoin miners in the world have always been in China, and China's been very responsible and influential from an individual standpoint into contributing in this space. So they're very important, and this is actually very good news. So excited about, you know, how that ends up panning out. Another wonderful piece of news that is kind of old news, but is, I think, finally coming to fruition, is the digital rupee out of India. And this is kind of funny because this has been a back and forth as well for a very long time where India has constantly tried or said they're going to ban crypto, ban Bitcoin, not have anything to do with blockchain. Then on the other side saying they're going to innovate. And I've had fantastic startups on the podcast that are based out of India um, so I know there's demand there. I know that people want it. I know people want to build something in this space. Um, so let me see. Um, where do we want to start with this article? India's finance minister has said the country will launch a digital version of the rupee as early as this year. Um, yay. Uh, following the CBD stuff that's going on across the world, apparently everyone's interested in doing that, every government. In her annual budget speech, um, so-and-so person, don't want to mess up the name, also outlined plans for a 30% tax on income from digital assets. That seems to be pretty standard. Everyone's trying to tax around 30% for digital assets. I wonder if that's going to pan out to the U.S. at some point. Um, it would put profits from trading or transferring cryptocurrencies and non-fungible tokens in the country's highest tax band. India is the latest major economy to announce an official virtual currency, as China trials the digital one, which has been going on for a while. That was another thing. Um, you know, China's also been pioneering CBDC, so this is not like old news. This is actually, um, you know, quite relevant to what's going on. In 2016, Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi, Narendra Modi gave just four hours notice before 500 rupee and 1,000 rupee banknotes were withdrawn from the financial system. Oh, yeah, I remember that. There was a huge crime thing going on. Uh, or has always been, and they changed the the banknotes in circulation to kind of cut back against that stuff. And that also led to a lot of talk and interest in crypto and how, you know, that could, you know, factor into that situation and resolve that issue, kind of remedy it a little bit more. So all in all, India is kind of on the right path. It looks like that they're going to have their own digital rupee CBDC along the lines of what China's doing what Russia will probably do, what the U.S. is doing with the digital dollar. This seems like a new trend. 
Um, and I think that's going to be a huge highlight in 2022 that will drive even more mainstream interest and understanding, I think, for crypto and blockchain. So it'll be fun to kind of keep an eye on that. Overall, that's another positive thing that no one wants to talk about. So throwing that out there. Something incredibly positive and incredibly interesting is a Colombian senator that is looking to integrate this wonderful technology we all talk about and love into his political mm -hmm. campaign. I'm not going to talk too much about mm -hmm. this. I'm going to leave this as what it is, a special announcement for later today. Um, there's going to be a combination of NFTs and blockchain involved in this. Um, and I really want to cover it, but I'm going to let him talk about they're doing a Facebook event where he's going to go live this afternoon and discuss how the technology can change information, uh, communication of information within a political campaign that's beneficial in politics and how it's beneficial in Colombia overall. This is going to be the first political campaign in the world, and I've you know, looked into this quite carefully, that will be leveraging this technology for marketing purposes. Now, there's a lot of, um, you know, politicians in U the U.S. and other countries that are using, let's say, NFTs to raise money for their campaigns. But this is a situation where, you know, NFTs will be used for something other than raising money, but will be used specifically for a new purpose, and that's marketing. It's going to be very exciting. Again, I'm going to let that news come out and circulate on its own. And then next week, what we'll do is we will talk about it in more detail and expand upon it and what that fully means for um, not just politics around the world, but for Colombians. This is going to be such a massive opportunity to help elevate the economy and solve so many issues, which I even deal with every single day here. And issues that apply to people and citizens in many different countries. This will be in a fantastic use case. And I think it's going to really start putting Colombia and Latin America as a whole on the map when it comes to comes to blockchain, when it comes to innovation. So safe tuned for that. Um, follow the hashtag LemusNFT on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with this new uh, innovative campaign and everything that's going on with it. And we'll be sure to cover more of that in the coming week. It's very, very exciting stuff. The last piece that we want to talk about is cloud storage. Um, blockchain seems to have a very various amount of use cases, obviously, and cloud storage is going to be a very important one because there's issues with cloud storage. It's a fantastic tool that we use every single day and we kind of take for granted, but it's very expensive. It's not necessarily the most efficient, but it is helpful. Um, it's... There's concerns with privacy and securing your data and information using this. And blockchain very easily solves all of this and makes it more practical. So, and Google Cloud is now very interested in potentially doing something. So we're going to read this article and then I'll kind of explain my thoughts on this. But Google Cloud announced the formation of a new digital assets team for blockchain technology. Uh, whose rise they compared to that of open source and the internet. Those 
would seem to be heady comparisons for a fledgling technology still not well understood by many but the perennial number three cloud computing provider is making a big blockchain bet to help catch up to amazon web services and microsoft azure um, google's move is a stark contrast to azure as microsoft last year ended the azure blockchain service which is a little surprising i thought they'd pursue that a little bit more heavily anyways instead of going through this entire article i kind of want to explain um, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, Amazon Web Services, AWS, Dropbox, all these cloud services we're familiar with that we use that are very important to our everyday um, you know, business, our everyday um, uses that make our lives easier, that give us more flexibility, that free up space, that give us uh, um, the ability to avoid having to use hard drives. There's the complications with that largely are expenses, uh, the effectiveness and efficiency of it. And um, again, whether your your data, your privacy, your documents, all that is actually safe. And it's getting harder and harder to trust these companies. But with blockchain, this solution has already been laid out through projects like uh, Filecoin, Storage, Sciacoin, through their networks and their databases that they've set up on completely decentralized services like IPFS, for example, which is very famous right now. Um, this allows you to store the same amount of information incredibly cheap to contribute to the network and monetize your free hardware, a hard drive space, um, the extra gigabytes and terabytes that you have and loading that out essentially to a giant network to make money, kind of like mining, being able to access that information at the snap of your very quickly, very efficiently in the same manner so that there's no uh, delay. And then having peace of mind so that all that data being this, uh, stored over a decentralized network is far safer and uncorruptible, um, something that can't be hacked and that can't be you know, taken away or compromised in any sense of the word. It, it's just a better solution. So, of course, Google's going to explore that. Of course, Microsoft has explored that. And I imagine a lot of these today cloud providers that are very popular are going to want to incorporate blockchain maybe something like ipfs the interplanetary file system to help remedy and solve this issue as well and it's another good piece of news because it just shows this use case is growing and coming into fruition even more and i'm very excited for this one because it will be a very simple use case for people to understand of all the blockchain use cases out there and the things that you can apply it to. This one makes a lot of sense. This one's very simple. And this one can take effect immediately and begin uh, helping people resolve these issues and concerns that we all have. Anyways, that is Watchlist Wednesday for today. Again, just to recap, we talked about the Russians and their potential future in the crypto space and where that might lead. Um, we talked about blockchain and messaging as a use case. We talked about the China pilot zones and how they're not really anti-crypto. We talked about the digital rupee in India. We talked about this awesome Colombian senator and what he's going to do with blockchain NFTs, and he will discuss that today. Be sure to check it out and follow the hashtag NFT on Facebook and Instagram. And we also talked about the wonderful use case just a second ago about blockchain and cloud storage. So a lot of positive stuff. A lot of development, a lot of um, building upon the technology as of lately, and a lot of, I guess, positive sentiment coming from countries.
coming from companies. And I think that momentum, even though 2022 hasn't gotten off to like the best start we wanted, this will probably and very likely carry over and the rest of the year is going to look pretty solid in terms of growing blockchain and growing this ecosystem. So anyways, be sure to check out Watchlist Wednesday next week. And we have some fantastic episodes coming later today and this week and uh, next week early as well. So check all that stuff out. Uh, stay up to date. If any questions, anything that you'd like us to cover or talk about in the future, reach out to us. Uh, leave comments down below and I will see you guys next time. Ciao.